When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call him a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. If dogs run free, then why not we across the swooping plain? My ears hear a symphony of two mules, trains, and rain. The best is always yet to come. That's what they explained to me. Just do your thing. You'll be king if dogs run free. This is Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, the freewheeling Rob Kelly. And joining me to talk about If Dogs Run Free from 1970's New Morning is fellow Bobcat, Ron Monty. Hi, Ron. Hey, Rob. I'm so happy to have you here on the show to be talking about this very interesting song in the Dylan songbook. Yeah, me too. And I, I've been a longtime listener, and this is just so fantastic getting to be on the podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Oh, thank you very much. I mentioned this on the uh, on my Pod Dylan Twitter feed a couple of days ago, where I was doing research for this show. And as I said to you off air, you know, I I have never turned down anybody in terms of what song they want to do. I'm always like, hey, all songs are open for discussion. Some I'm more excited about than others. And this was one where I was like, okay, offbeat choice, Ron. We'll go with this, you know, but I also was like, how much is there to say about it? And then I started researching it and I realized there's actually a lot of stuff to talk about and come in relation to this song. I never would have guessed that. And that's one of the things I love about doing this show is I learn things. I, you know, I've been reading Bob books, listening to him for 30 years. I thought I kind of know everything sort of. And then I'm like, oh, wow, there's all this other stuff out there. So it's great. And I can't wait to talk about, again, this very, very unique song in the, in the Bob song. But before we start. You know, Ron, what the question is, how'd you become a fan of Bob? Well, I think I have to um, owe my uh, introduction into the world of Bob Dylan. Uh, it's all due to facial hair. I'm not I'm just glad you keep going on that one. <laughs> I was dating a girl in uh, junior high school, and um, she invited me over to her place. And uh, she said, why don't you put an album on uh, while I go get some drinks? And I'm staring down at the stack of like. This, wait a 20. minute, junior high school? Yes, this was junior high school. You're putting on yeah. albums and getting drinks with a girl in junior high school. Well, I didn't say the alcoholic drinks. Okay, all right, all right. I was, I'm like, my God, Ron. I was like, <laughs> I didn't have that experience. Let's just put it that way. But okay, I'm sorry. Continue. <laughs> so uh, I'm staring down at this stack of like 20 records, and I'm flipping through, and there's like um, Gordon Lightfoot and Kenny. Loggins and Cat Stevens and Dan Fogelberg. I've seen a theme here, sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, who are these people? I've never heard of these people. So finally I'm flipping through and I see Bob Dylan's greatest hits volume two. And it's like, okay, go. this is it. At least I've heard of Bob Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> so um that that became like the go to album every time I, I went over on my nice. house. Yeah. So I get that's how I got to to know Dylan, but the, you know, the funny thing is um, like a month or two later, we were in uh, my girlfriend and I were in a record store and I saw I was flipping through and I saw Bob Dylan's blonde on blonde. And I turned to her and I said, Hey, you know, we should get this. You know, we both, we both love Bob Dylan. She was like, nah, nah, you know, I'm not really that into Bob Dylan. I was like, what are you talking about? You had his album. She's like, I just like the cover. So, you know, wow. putting two and two together, I finally realized that all the albums in her collection, you know, she didn't really like the music. She just liked, Guys and beards. 
Wow. Oh, is he yeah. top records? I mean, I, we gonna... <laughs> I think that was before the time. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> no, the, I mean, the, you just was junior high school. So get you like, you're a little too young to grow a beard yourself. I guess that probably occurred to you, right? Cause you're like, well, geez, she likes, you know, stuff. she kept, that was the other clue. She kept on bugging me, you know, to grow a beard. And I was like, you know, what do I tell her? I really can't grow one. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Okay, she so was that a, she was a few years older than me. <laughs> oh wow. Jeez, Ron. And like a I this I this feels like a whole other conversation we could have, but but okay. I'm just I oh, all my year all this jealousy has come sweeping back from my pathetic junior high years. Oh my god, Ron. So okay, you so your greatest hits volume two obviously got you got you into it. So I mean, what what happened at that point? Did you go out and just started buying albums on your own? You're just like, well, I'm buying Blonde on Blonde anyway. I don't care if you don't want it. I did wind up buying that Blonde on Blonde record I saw in the record store, and um, I loved it. But then, you know, um, I, I guess throughout the years, I've had like this um, love hate relationship. I don't know if that's the exact word, but um, you know, I would love like an album that came out, and then like the next one would come out, and I was like, nah. It's not so great, you know, and it, it, it's been like that, you know, ever since. Interesting. Okay, you boy, I, you gotta, you gotta tell us what are some of the myths. What, what in your mind when you got it, you were like, eh, what, <laughs> what, what was well, that? What would album would that be? Um, I really like the what was the first Christian album, the one with uh, Blow Train Coming. Somebody. Yeah, Blow love, Coming, love yeah. that record. You know, Mark Knopfler. I really love that one. But then the next couple of sort of uh, Christian records. Um, just really didn't like it all. What was that okay. shot of love? And, Save and uh, shot of love. Okay. Yeah. Knocked out loaded. That was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. Now, do you, have you gone back and listened to them later on and you're like, oh, this is different than how I remember it? Or do you tend to like, eh, and then it's, it just stays in the back of the pile? Well, you know, when the, um, the latest box set came out, um, was that summer in New York? Was that, was that what it was? Springtime called? in New York. Yeah. Springtime in New York. Um, yeah. I fell in love with those songs. Wow. They were they're like, wow, I really didn't like these the first time around. They're, See, they're there you songs. go. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just, you weren't at the right <laughs> moment to appreciate it. That's great. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. Have you ever seen him live? You know, I have. Um, I saw him the first time at Madison Square Garden and the night of the Hurricane Benefit concert. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow, big show. Big show to see him. Yeah, and there's a funny story behind that too if you if you want to hear it. Uh, of course I do. Okay. Well, um so I I um after junior high school, I in high school, um I went to art school in New York City, School of Visual Arts. And Oh, you um, went to SVA. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. And uh so like the third year, um we had like what that they were called um uh, portfolio, uh, courses. Sure. And what it was is you prepped your portfolio to be ready to get a, a job once you graduated. And so my teacher was, uh, this woman named B. Feitler and she was a real heavyweight in the industry and in the music industry too. And, uh, she saw my work at the time. I was like really into punk and it was really into like these bold things where I cut out pictures of black and white, um, artists and put them on like a really, bright uh fluorescent background and i hand tint you know that would it was trendy at the time and uh she saw that uh, i had a lot of work like that and she loved it and she asked me to come work for her um in her studio uh after after school which i did and so um 
their second in command, his name was Carl Barilli. Uh, he got the job of um, art directing Bob Dylan's Desire album cover. Whoa. Yeah. And so um, I guess they remembered my work on those punk uh, uh, graphic design things I did. And I used to like um, hand dye them. And uh, so that was my contribution, putting those, they were called Dr. Martin's Magic Dyes. Sure, I had them uh, myself, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And and on the back cover, there's like some cutouts of black black and white images, and uh, we we hand-dyed some of them, and that was my contribution. So um, when the cover was done, I guess the record company, CBS, sent over um, tickets for the show, and that's how I went to go see the Night of the Hurricane Benefit concert. Wait, hold wait a minute. Hold on. <laughs> Am I yeah. understanding this story correctly? And then you, you, can you? Ta- I'm sorry. I, you, I was listening to you, and I don't fully really, think I understand the story. Are you telling me that you worked on some of the artwork? Yeah, I was that like appeared the, on Desire, the back cover of Desire. I, I, I was like the paste up guy. So I was like a low man, <laughs> the totem pole. But they, yeah. They, they they asked me to do some of the the dye work on the. Black How did images. you not mention this in the bunch of emails we traded back and forth? In I think I did. If, if no, I didn't, did I don't not. know what I was thinking. <laughs> you absolutely did not. I would have been like, "That's the first thing we're talking about." What the hell, Ron? <laughs> that is yeah, so, amazing. Yeah, and it was an ma- amazing show. Um, I remember um, the version of was it was it ISIS. Oh, it was just searing. It was just so good. Was that Mick Ronson on guitar and Rob Stoner on bass? And I also, the thing about that night I remember is um, Muhammad Ali, which who I just love. But that night, I don't know what went on, but he he just gave like this like half hour incoherent speech. (laughs) Really bizarre. Wouldn't get off the stage. And it looked like Bob was getting like really pissed at (laughs) it. Okay. All right, all right, all right, Cassius. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, I got to, I got to play. I got nineteen songs to play. McGuinn's got to play a couple, and Joni Mitchell and uh, Bobby Newer is going to insist on doing something. That yeah, is, yeah. that is absolutely. I, I think also R- Roberta Flack played too, if I remember correctly. Wow, that's a, that's a, that's yeah, a, it was really eclectic uh, group of artists that played that night. I, I, I you know, I got to tell you this about SVA, Ron, in that because I went to art school as well, but the school I went to was specifically for comic book art, and we it was oh, loca- yeah. located in North Jersey, and you know, New York was right across the river from right. us, and and SVA was always sort of like the the high exalted school versus our our cruddy little <laughs> cruddy little institution because it was SVA. Everybody heard of SVA. So that's, that's absolutely, that is absolutely amazing. I, I can't believe you did not mention that in the emails. That's, uh, I mean, I thought I did. I apologize. No, that's startling. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm amazed that they would even allow anybody who was a student to get close to the official record. That's kind of, I know it was through this teacher, but still I'm, I'm just sort of amazed at that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it wasn't, I didn't design anything. No, or but you, anything. you just told, told me to die. So, so, you know, put die there. I yeah, but Ron, <laughs> I mean, if you have an artistic portfolio and you're like, oh, I have the back, I worked on the back sleeve of a Bob Dylan album. That's, that's page one in the portfolio, man. I mean, that's absolutely amazing. Yeah. That was, that was a thrill. And what was that? I was like 18. That was, it was a th- wow. <laughs> although although i have to tell you at the time like i mentioned at the time i was like really seriously into punk music you know mm-hmm. Bob Dylan was like the 
the furthest thing from my wow. top of my list. <laughs> that so okay. So you you went to the night of the hurricane show. I mean, did you enjoy it? I mean, I you, I mean, I, you said you weren't as into Bob at that moment, so you went because you got the free ticket or whatever. But like, did you did you like the show? I did. It was very entertaining. It it really lasted forever. I don't know how long. It was like four hours long. They were I long shows too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I loved it. And, I, you know, I was going to mention that, you know, that was my first concert. And my next concert was um, like, when was it? Back in June when I saw Bob here in the Santa Barbara Bowl. So it's like 45, 47 years between concerts. Wow. Now, now what, <laughs> what made you want to go again after so many years? Well, I figured, you know, um, time is running out. <laughs> <laughs> for, well, for you or for him? I mean, you know. For I mean, both of us. <laughs> okay, I mean, Bob, Bob seems to just go on forever. So, okay. Yeah, that's true. That is absolutely He'll be around means... a long time. Yeah, ser- seriously. I mean, did, did you enjoy that show? You know, it was the total antithesis of um, that night of the hurricane, Rolling Thunder show. <laughs> I was expecting, I really enjoyed the, um, what was it called? The, um, what was the black and white uh, thing he did online? The Shadow Kingdom? Oh, yeah, Shadow Kingdom. I'm sorry. Yes, Shadow Kingdom. Yeah, yeah I love that. And that's really what I, what I was expecting. And um, <laughs> not quite. what I got was like, well, first of all, I should say that I think we went to the show that was the show before he got really PO'd at someone filming his show <laughs> the night before. Right. So he was like in a foul mood. Oh, no. Him. And he, he refused to turn on the light. So, like, you couldn't see him. And then mm-hmm. the the second thing was the sound was really bad. So, like, for the first five or six songs, it was like everything was turned up to, like, um, you know, 11. And you couldn't even hear, you know, what he was singing. And mm-hmm. um, he was playing, like, bad notes on the piano. And it was just, oh, my God. I, I really did not enjoy it at all. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Jeez. I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah, I mean, we, you know, he has his off nights and stuff, but I mean, and, uh, and it right, would, everyone I, does. Yeah, everyone does. And it's, um, you know, it's unfortunate that like through no fault of your own, you know, you're suffering from the, the fact that he was pissed potentially at the crowd the night before because they were filming him and stuff. So, I mean, geez, right. that's, a, that's, a, that's a shame. I'm sorry to, I'm sorry to the, the experience yeah. wasn't more fun that second time, but my God. Uh, yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, okay. Um, so before we get to talk about if dogs run free, I'm just going to ask you point blank. Are you a dog person? I am not. I'm a cat person. You're a cat person. Okay, Although I like, I like dogs. I don't hate, yeah, I don't hate dogs, but, uh, I'm no, more of a cat not, person. You would not have a soul if you hated dogs. I mean, you can, you can, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, there, there are people who don't want to own dogs, but anyone who hates dogs, I would be like, huh? you know, <laughs> I don't want to be around yeah. that person. So okay, have you ever had a dog <laughs> or you've always had cats? Um, uh, my family growing up always had dogs and cats. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I feel like we have a dog now, uh, we've had a dog Pippa for about a year and a half and I love her to death. And, and, um, we had a, I had a cat for 10 years and she passed away last year and I miss her very much. I have to say, I think I'm both, I think if, if I have to um, do a, uh, like a, like a, a, a ratio, I would say I'm like 51, 49 cat dog. You know, just because cats are just, <laughs> cats are just so much simpler to deal with than dogs, but yeah, uh, yeah. I do absolutely love uh, the sweetness of dogs and things like that. And I will say, just the other day, I I sat down to watch the uh, the baseball game, and I was like, I'm not going to do anything else. I'm just going to sit and watch this baseball game. I'm not going to like play with my phone. I'm just going to. And the dog Pippa jumped up and and laid next to me, 
and sort of creviced herself between me and the sofa and just pretended to watch the game with me. And I was like, I, I got everything I want right now. <laughs> it's all there good. I go. got a drink. <laughs> I got a baseball game to watch. I got my dog. This is all, this is all really, really good. Time. Okay. So oh, why, why this song? Why if dogs run free, which again, one of the oddest tracks in the man's whole discography. Yeah. Well, I, I, I tell you, I get bored real easily and, um, I love like discovering like weird out from left field things. And Dylan certainly has his share of, uh, of those tracks. And so, um, I actually, my, my favorite episode of yours was the episode on, um, uh, what's the one where he has the, the, the opera, opera singer. Uh, the wild, the horses. Uh, oh, all the tired horse, all the tired horses, all the tired horses. Yes, all the tired horses. That's yes. my favorite. Like half from left, left field, still and so <laughs> on. And that was my one of my favorite episodes that you did. Um, and so uh, yes, my, Amy my, my second, she was a wonderful guest. Yeah, yeah, that was a great show. And uh, so my my second favorite uh, unusual track is uh, "If Dogs Run Free." <laughs> it's just so <laughs> unexpected. <laughs> So when did you do? Do you remember when you got New Morning? Was that early? Was it kind of around when it came out, or did you get it later? Oh, probably. I heard it for the first time probably during the pandemic. Oh, really? Oh, I did a lot of back cataloging during the the pandemic. Oh, wow. Okay, that's interesting. See, Bob's got a really quite nice beard on the cover of that one. Uh, (laughs) He does. I don't know why my girlfriend didn't have that. Didn't like that one. Yeah. It's a very nice, like a little driver's license portrait. Uh, so yeah, I mean, this, I, I gotta tell you, when, when I first heard this song back when I was again going through all the albums and I got to this one and I heard the scatting, the girl, I was like, all right, he's clearly just having a laugh. And I, I kind of put the piss out. Yeah. I just, yeah, I was like, all right, this is just kind of a goof. And I put the song aside because I don't know about you, but I'm not a fan of like that jazz scatting thing that just does nothing to me it's just it's just noise so i was like all right i don't know about this one that said over the years i started getting into it more kind of despite the 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 backup singer doing <laughs> clearing her throat or whatever she's doing that part doesn't work for me <laughs> but i i did get more into kind of the relaxed rhythm of this and you know sometimes when he wrote when he has a song I don't know if you do this, but sometimes I, I do it when he has a song and I immediately conjure an image of what he was doing when he wrote it. Like, what was the inspiration? I mean, I have no idea whether it's accurate or not, but this is what I imagine. And I'm thinking, you know, well, I didn't know when he wrote this. Was he wrote this in, in like late 1969, something like that. He's up in Woodstock. He's at his house. He's, you know, he's not re- he's certainly not retired, but he's certainly laying low. And I'm just, and we know that Bob Dylan himself has had a lot of dogs. He's been photographed with many dogs over the course of his life. Um, there's that 2020 interview he did in around 1985 uh, with, uh, I think, uh, Bob Brown, I think is the name of the, the reporter. And like he's sitting out on a bench out on the compound and there's all these mastiffs walking around and there's photos. So he, he is conspicuously had himself photographed with lots of dogs. Bob must be mm. Bob must be a dog guy. So what I'm picturing is Bob is sitting in his house. He's dealing with Albert Grossman. He's dealing with Columbia Records. He's dealing with all the business that he probably doesn't want to have to deal with. You know, they're probably up up his right posterior about this or that. And he looks outside the window and he just sees all of his dogs frolicking 
probably be playing with the kids, whatever they're doing, you know? And in just that instance, he thinks to himself, geez, if I could just live the life of the dog, just running free, no cares in the world. And that got pen to paper. And that's what turned in the song. Again, that is all made up in my head. I have no clue whether that's, but that is the mood <laughs> well, I get when listening to the song. I'll even take it a step further. For me, um, I always interpret it as, you know, this is Dylan's um, speaking out uh, his desire to be free of all the publicity BS from his, um, you know, the uh, thin mercury sound Warhol part of his life mm-hmm. and leaving that all behind and going up to Woodstock with Sarah and being at the, you know, marital bliss up there. And uh, it, it's more about, you know, being free. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Who, who, the, whole, who, the whole album really is a, an ode to that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, again, it, it's the the second verse where he says, if dogs run free, why not me? Yeah, there is, if dogs run free, why not me? Like, why can't right. I do what the dogs are doing across right. the swamp of time? My mind weaves a symphony and a tapestry of rhyme. Oh, the winds which rush my tail to thee, so it may flow and be to each his own. It's all unknown if dogs run free. And again, he's got he's got that wonderfully warm voice that he was doing. He seems again, it's relaxed. It's unbelievably how relaxed he sounds. And he said it's kind of what yeah, well, you were just you and I are kind of on the same track there. It's like he's tired of all this record stuff all this business stuff. Right. And he's just watching the dogs play. And he's like, yeah, who wouldn't, who just wouldn't enjoy that? That's what that is. And yet he's still working in some of that kind of blonde on blonde phantasmagorical stuff. The swamp of time, my mind weaves. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. my mind weaves a symphony could be a line out of visions of Johanna in another right, world. You know, right. it's that same kind of thing. And so it may flow and be. And again, I, I love the how terse these verses are. I mean, it's like three, four words, you know, per thing. Now, what do you feel about? How do you feel about the scatting, which seems to be a weirdly discordant piece in the song, at least for me? I, I love it. I, 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 do you? I, opposite of you, I'm a big jazz fan. My father was okay. a big jazz fan, so I grew up with it. And, um, you know, doing my research, there's, there's a funny story behind how they, they got her to sing on the record. I don't know if you... You read about this too, but no, I did not. Um, so, you know, first I wanted to ask you at the start of recording New Morning, um, what was his name Bob Johnson? Bob uh, Johnson, yeah. Producer. producer yeah. He just sort of disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> Does anyone Bob know just... why he why he didn't decide to show up and produce I don't, the I just, New Morning? A, I don't know. <laughs> he had kind of a loose relationship near the end of uh, their time together at Columbia Records. Yeah, so so that was weird right off the bat. And and then I was reading, you know, Al Cooper sort of took over the um the producer role. Right. Right. And, and so he was Al Cooper um was saying that um you know he 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 brought in for not only this song but a couple of other songs. I think Time Passes Slowly also uh, uh horn arrangement and brought in a horn horn section. And um he he went out and hired a a, a choir and he came, and when Bob came into the studio he was like Al what are you doing? <laughs> didn't ask for a choir just asked for a few backup singers (laughs) and so they auditioned all the 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 women in the choir and uh i think her name is pronounced maritha stewart okay i'm pronouncing that right and uh she um they thought was the the best one out of the the whole choir and as it uh as it wound up uh she sang on quite a number of the tracks on um new morning and also the subsequent uh, Dylan album, 
the mm. last one that yeah Columbia recorded uh, released. Um, there was a lot of uh, outtakes right they used yep. for yep. That, that Dylan album, and she sang a lot of songs for that too. So she certainly got her money's worth uh, from that <laughs> gig. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh... And, and the fun, the funny, the funny quote from Al Stu- uh, Al Cooper was that um, he would, you know, do these arrangements, which I think are, are you know, the the time passes slowly, and a, f- a few others that that he pro- produced that are on the uh, the box set uh, of the outtakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think actually much better than the uh, the ones that were, were released on the New Morning album. But uh, he he uh, the funny quote by Al Cooper is he said he would do these uh, tracks with the the backup singers and the horn section and you know at the end of the day he asked Bob you know how was that and Bob said oh yeah that's great I love it and then he come in the next morning and Bob said no we're going to redo that <laughs> <laughs> oh Bob <laughs> and, and supposedly Al Cooper got so frustrated by the end of the album so so I'll ne- never produce another regular track for Bob Dylan again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I can't, I can't blame him if somebody's that difficult. You know, I've heard Bob in the tours. I mean, I think there might be a reason why the last twenty years he's been producing himself. You know, at a certain point, he's like, I'm yeah, done. Yeah. Um, so, okay, yeah, the the problem I have with the scatting is, I mean, I I actually like, I don't know much about jazz, but I have a couple of jazz CDs and I like them. But I I like the music, but the scatting is to me a very separate thing, and it also to me it just it to me it's cutting against the mellowness of what he's doing it just feels very like what this and i don't know again it just feels like it's coming out of nowhere uh and it just is not flowing with what he's doing which again is this wonderfully kind of relaxing and then the final verse where he says if dogs weren't free then what must be must be and that is all True love can make a blade of grass stand up straight and tall in harmony with the cosmic sea. True love needs no company. It can cure the soul. It can make it whole if dogs run free. And and then this verse, the, the third verse, I really feel like he's trying, even though the song is clearly just kind of a goof, he's trying to get at some very basic kind of truisms. The idea of if dogs run free, then what must be must be. It's something that's very direct. It's just like... um recognizing the truth of what's in front of you, you know, recognizing right. the, the beauty and the honesty and the realness of a tree of a dog, a blade of grass. And then in, in this case, true love, like these sort of basic things that we all take for granted in our lives, but they must be, must be they're They're, they're eternal. They're forever and they're valuable. And this guy, this singer is just pausing to reflect on all these things in the midst of talking about the swamp of time and, and the, the cosmic sea and all these big highfalutin ideas, he's then pulling it down to very basic core concepts. And that's what, that, that's what made it grow on me over the years as I, as I've listened to. Yeah, that, that's so funny. I, I actually think the scat scene is um, one of the strengths of this song is that mm. counterpoint. And I think that that's what jazz does a lot. You know, you have the two counterpoints, this sort of modal, modal thing going on, and I thought that that tension really um, gives gives the song, I don't know, a certain something. Hmm. Okay, all right, fair enough. Yeah. Now, have you heard? To each, each their own. <laughs> have you heard the alternate version that's on the the, the I, another self portrait? I have. Yeah, okay. I don't, I, yeah. It's a it's sort of a folky rendition of it. Um, it fits a lot more with the rest of the record. 
Now, obviously, he didn't want that because he went with the one that's on the record. But the one on self-portrait, another self-portrait, is much more audibly kind of similar to what you hear on the rest of New Morning. And so, obviously, very consciously, he was like, no, no, we're going to go with the one that sounds very different. Right. And from my understanding, that the one on New Morning is the one that Al Cooper produced. And uh, so that one he didn't reject. No, no. <laughs> well, it's it's interesting is that obviously for, you know, we know that Bob had when he was rec- he recorded self-portrait in New Morning more than back, back to back. back right? I mean, it was almost yeah. they kind of overlapped, really. He was sort of doing some songs and then the, those songs went on self-portrait and the other ones went on a new morning and then he overdubbed them and the blah, 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 blah. But and it seems like at no point, despite the wealth of material he had to perm from for new morning. If Dog Turn Free was almost, as far as I can tell, always going to be on the record. Uh, there is an, there is a, apparently an original, Clinton Halen mentions this in his recording sessions book, that the original, um, sequencing of the record, this song was going to end the record. This was going to be the last song on yeah. side two, which is, that's a big thing. Bob, yeah, I, yeah. Bob tends to really end his records with a big closer for the most part. He, I, I find that, that tends to be one of the strongest positions on any record of his is, is the final song. It really thinks like he's like, right. I really yeah. want to go out big. So to make this potentially be the final song really says something about it. And then there was another sequencing, which was done by Al Cooper, because as you were, you were just talking about, he sort of was the de facto producer. And if dogs aren't free was on that sequencing as well. So no matter what wow. iteration of new morning existed, if dogs aren't free was always going to be on there. So obviously both Bob Slash Bob Johnson and Al and Al Cooper must have really liked it because it was always going to be in the sequence, no matter. Even though there was a thousand other songs to pick from, this was always going to be on there. There you go. Good. So yeah, <laughs> love it. It would have been interesting was, to close it. To close the record yeah. would have been a real like wow. <laughs> yeah, that 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 actually would have been great. And you know what I think is, why was it New Morning the opener? To me, that's just mm. like a natural opener. I know it opened side two. It's <laughs> yeah, such a yeah. kind of perverse. <laughs> and, <laughs> oh, and you know God. the other the other thing I love about New Morning. I don't know if you read this. I, th- I think there's ten tracks on the album, something um, like that. So two of them, including you could say yes and no, but if Dog Runs Free is a spoken word song, along with um, what's the other one? Uh, Three Angels. Three Angels. Yeah, which is yeah, like a sermon. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's like the first time since um, what's that one? Uh, thoughts of Woody Guthrie. Last thoughts of Woody Guthrie. Yeah, yeah, okay. that was yeah, just a yeah. poem that he read on on stage. Yeah, yeah. and and the the other thing about New Morning is um, of the ten tracks, nine are nine songs are in different key signatures. Oh wow, pretty amazing! You know, wow. it's a really eclectic album. It is. And, uh, oh, it very much is. Yeah. Yeah. Father I mean, of Night you know, I, is they're all they all they, they all yeah. are really kind Walt, of unique. There's like a waltz, there's a rock song, there's folk songs, there's a jazz song. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> each hilarious. one is each one is different. Bob's a really good piano player, by the way. He didn't get enough credit for that. Like he's playing lead, uh, I would assume, on most of these tracks that are piano heavy. And he's a very good I find his piano playing to be really quite beautiful. Like to me, it's very powerful. Uh so yeah, again, what's, it's what's a, what's What's the one that uh, w- which I heard was left off? Um, which he, he he 
tried to record a number of times. The Spanish is the... Oh, Spanish is the loving tongue. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Does he play yes. piano on that? That's yes. beautiful. That's, there, oh, yeah, man. there's a couple versions of that, one of which is on a bootleg and which is absolutely stunning. And so, yeah, that that that's one of those things when uh, Henry Bernstein and I were talking about the Dylan album a couple episodes ago that, like, they didn't put... They put, you know, put, like, a bad right. version... On yeah, there, not the good one. All those versions that are good. <laughs> they put that one on. Yeah, Columbia can be perverse too uh, when when they want to be. <laughs> so, so this song, you know, again, it was one of those things where, as I was becoming, you know, growing and my fandom was going on, and I was seeing Bob live. If you had said to me, "Give me a list of five songs that Dylan will never play live," I would have put this song on there, right? And, and then by the nineties, so- I I would have said, "Oh, he's he's never ever, you know, maybe a motorcycle nightmare or something." He's never going to do if dogs run free. Well, seriously, you mean he played this live? He's played this. He hasn't just played it live. He's played it 104 times live. Get out of here. He started playing it in 2000 and he kept playing it off and on through 2005. Now, the funniest thing was I was like, okay, I've seen enough Bob Dylan concerts that I'm like, I don't remember every song of his i've heard performed in front of me i've just seen too many at this point but i'm like i'm pretty sure i saw him do this at least once so i look up i have i keep a document of all the times i've seen him live and the set lists so i was like oh i saw okay oh i saw him do if dogs run free twice i thought that's interesting oh wow and then i looked a little closer and i'm like looking at the dates and it says november 18th 2000 in Atlantic City. And I'm like, okay, that's the first time I saw it. And then on my list, the second time is November 18th, 2000 in Atlantic City. And I'm like, wait a minute. Did I put the same show down twice? And have I been miscounting how many times I've seen Bob all these years or whatever? <laughs> but no, he did two concerts the same day in Atlantic City because the set lists are different. And wow. I'm as ashamed as I am to admit this. I have no memory of that. <laughs> I went to both, <laughs> but I have no memory of that. I have to, I'm, I'm going to assume that, my pal. That Dan, is crazy. I went with my pal Dan uh, because we go to all the shows together. I'm assuming him and I went together. I'll have to ask him, but like, I have no memory of that. <laughs> I've seen two shows in one day, but I must have because right. they're the set list. And he played if dogs weren't free both times. Um, I'm just stunned that he played that live. Yeah. And, and the, well, the funny thing was just last episode, we discussed, uh, cats in the well. So, you know, we're kind of continuing on with the animal theme here. We've got the, and that song, a cat is trapped in a well, but here the dogs are, are, are running free. Running free. <laughs> and so, so one of the things that, that the Ray Paget mentioned, what he thought was so funny about the cats in the well live performances was that Bob chose to slot this very obscure song in the encore along with rolling stone and watchtower which kind of gives it the same kind of like okay here's two gigantic hits and then here's this incredibly obscure song yeah and i realized bob did the same thing for if dogs weren't free because the final three songs of the first show are things have changed which by 2000 had become a staple and is now a staple if dogs run free and then like a rolling stone so he, he was again, Amazing. he was putting this incredibly <laughs> weird song in the encore. And then for the second show, he kicked off the encore with If Dogs Run Free. And then he and then he followed it up with Highway 61 Revisited and Blown in the Wind. So what a weird sequence. <laughs> he was he was throwing this incredibly weird song. And you can find a bunch of versions of this on YouTube. 
Oh, and yeah, I'm gonna have to dig that it's, out. It's wow. fun. It's fun to hear him do it. He's clearly enjoying himself, and you know we don't have the the. Unfortunately, we don't get the uh, the band scatting along with him or anything. They're just kind of playing a <laughs> oh, little. No scat. Oh, no man. scatting. Sorry, <laughs> they're just kind of playing this little soft shoe, you know, kind of quiet acoustic shuffle behind him. But he's clearly having fun. And something else I noticed is he changes some of the words in the live oh, version. Wow. At one point, he says, it can pay your bills. It will cure your ills if dogs run free. And I again, I just find that so charming that something as sort of, you know, relatively obscure or minor, if you want to use that word, in his songbook. And he's still tinkering. He's still tinkering with the words. Right. For if dogs weren't free, and I just thought that's Bob for doing that. It's great. So yeah, I would definitely suggest going to YouTube and checking out some of the performances. They're a lot of fun. They're a lot of fun, and you can hear he starts singing because, of course, the first line is "If dogs weren't free." So you hear a couple people like, they're kind of like, "What? What is he? Is he really doing? If dogs weren't free, you know, there's only a couple people that are like, "Uh, what the hell is he singing?'" But yeah, I'm sure most people don't even know it. That the song is no, no, but yeah, yeah I mean, a hundred and four yeah. times. That's that's wow, not amazing. nothing. Yeah. Uh, yeah so amazing. yeah, it's a it's really fun. And then this song has had even more life outside of it being a Dylan song, in that it is the subject of a children's book. Uh, there wow. is a there is a children. I mean, there's a couple of children. You know, that's become a thing now. There's a Forever Young. There's Man Gave Name to All the Animals. Again, another animal uh, related song. Oh, I never knew um, that. But there is a children's book drawn by there's an illustrator named Scott Campbell, and he draws the book, and it's with the lyrics, and it's if dogs run free, and and I I had a chance to look at it. you can see it on, on on Amazon there's images, and it's really beautiful, it's a really beautiful book. The illustrations oh, by Scott great. Campbell are absolutely wonderful and charming, and it features a million different kinds of dogs running around, running up hills. Um, there's a when he gets to the part about the 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 tapestry of rhyme and the the cosmic sea and there's all this stuff about like a constell dogs looking like constellations and stuff it's an incredibly charming book and i was so just i was i, I use the word again i was so charmed that this is yet another dylan song that's been converted into something that children could enjoy uh yeah, so it's, it's a terrific book and i just i love that that something as scary as this is the basis of a book Right, right. That's fantastic. I'm definitely gonna have to check that out as well. Yeah, it's really, really sweet. So it's a it's a fun little song, and I didn't know about any of this before we started. I knew there was the alt take because I have the another self portrait series, and I knew about that it was gonna close the album because I again I read it in the book. But the rest of the stuff I did I didn't know about the children's book. I didn't know about the alternate lyrics, even though again, like I've seen him. Uh, and it, I didn't, I didn't remember seeing the, the two shows in one day. So I have discovered all of this stuff. Thanks to you. Ron. See that? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. It's just, it's just Great. a really yeah. it's, it's a fun charming song. song. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I, and I love it when I can, again, I can imagine what, what it will, why he wrote it. And again, he's, he's obviously a big dog person. He's always pictured with dogs. There's, um, there's that picture of him in his art studio and he's got, I think, a, another mastiff with him with his paintbrushes and stuff. I mean, that's dogs are hard to photograph because they won't stop moving. And uh, that's but he, right. yeah. he chooses there's that photo of him in some junk, not a junkyard, but it's he's in some kind of kind of backyard and there's like car parts and stuff. And it's him with a German shepherd and he's got the dog in his leash. So, again, this is something he 
conspicuously goes out of his way to be photographed with with dogs and uh so obviously big dog person and you know it's kind of funny we always you know say like if you've ever had a chance to meet him you know what would be the best way to meet him what would be the best context and you know uh, i mean you would have a great <laughs> on a story dog, ron on a you dog would, walk <laughs> dog on a dog walk that'd be perfect you would have a great story you could say hey man i painted some of the stuff on desire like you you got it in right there man but I mean, I yeah. really feel like at this point you would talk about dogs. Like you'd just be like, "Hey, Bob, how are the dogs?" Like something that you know he would enjoy, <laughs> and it might get him to talk, as opposed to saying, yeah, "Oh man, you're you so go. awesome." <laughs> Love it. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a it's a really cute song, and so uh, uh, unless there's anything else you want to say about it, we can wrap up here. But I just want to thank you again for suggesting this because. I just, I thought, oh my God, we're going to talk what for five minutes about if dogs aren't free, but no, it's, it's yeah, terrific. there you go. Yeah. I mean, a lot, a lot of people either love this song or hate this song, but I love it. It's great. Have you met people that hate it? Or do you know people that are other Bob fans that are like, oh God, no. Or do you just figure uh, there's got to be some people that don't like it? I've seen a few like um, reviews of New Morning on mm. YouTube and every one of them hates <laughs> dog runs free. <laughs> now nah, see now that's the funny thing though is that i think even if you don't like the scatting part uh because again that's not anything you're expecting on a dylan record i don't know how you could hate this it's so right. low-key and just bob having a good time and it's it's like four minutes it's not like it's yeah. you know so yeah, I don't, exactly yeah, yeah. You, you know i had a teacher in um SVA and I was it was an editorial um, graphic design course and he said you know to do great magazine design you, know, you can't put like a blockbuster story on every page otherwise mm. it won't be a blockbuster you know mm-hmm. you need something serviceable on e- either side of of the the feature to make that feature pop and stand out and be great so you know you need these little songs <laughs> yeah yeah you know, yeah you can't everything I, as much as it would be great to hear uh like I said, like Visions of Johanna or Desolation Row. Right. You can't hear yeah. 12 of those because. Right. If every song was like that, you know. You're like, oh, I, I'm getting, I gotta, I gotta lay down, you know, like, this is yeah. just a lot, I, you know, but yeah. uh, and yeah. you're, also, you're, you're also talking to someone who um, actually um, also likes Wiggle Wiggles. So that, <laughs> that song has a lot of defenders. <laughs> We'll get to it eventually. We will get to it. Oh, it hasn't been. Uh, no, we haven't gotten yet, to huh? it yet. People have been people have been asking me about it. I'm like, someday, someday <laughs> we'll get to it. Episode 623. But we'll, we'll we will get to it eventually. So, well, Ron, uh, I mean, wow, man. I mean, that you had way more stories than you let on as we were leading up to this. And I am. I mean, I got to tell you, when I was at art school uh, during my third and final year there, tr- I went up to columbia records and showed my portfolio around because i tried to get work doing that kind of stuff and i've mentioned it on other episodes i remembered like sitting in the lobby of the art department and there's a big poster of bob dylan in there there was this was 30 years ago but there was a giant poster of bob in in the lobby and i remember sitting there under it just being like i'm in the columbia records art department where these are where the records get these where the sleeves get made you know and that was a big heady moment to like be in the building knowing this that was his record label it was a huge huge thing so um that's i I, i'm just absolutely stunned that 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 you have that personal connection to it i mean that's just that's just unbelievable man yeah you know one of the great things about the school of visual arts was unlike a lot of other um art schools 
uh, School of Arts was all taught by people in the business. They weren't teachers. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. everyone that taught in the School of Visual Arts was also working. Yep. Um, so that, that put us at a great advantage. Absolutely. And it, you know, it's, that's all, that's one of those things that it's, it's great. I mean, I have a diploma and it's great to have a degree in these things at the same time. I do find it is a little like you either can do it or you can't, you know, like you can, you can have a piece of paper that says you can do it, but that's like having a piece of paper that says you can hit home runs. You know, either you can do it or you can't. I mean, let me see the work kind of thing. The work's got to be good. You know, that's the, right, that's right. the important thing. The work has got to be good. So, well, that's, that's absolutely amazing that you, I, you, you, you must own desire in like every format, right? Cause there's your, there's your, there's your work. You must own it like on cassette and CD and vinyl. I mean, man, yeah, I'd, I'd have it on eight track if I could, if I worked on it. To be honest, I don't own a copy. <laughs> what? <laughs> how can, how can you not have, how can you not have the record you, personally worked well, on to, to be honest I, all, all my music's uh digital okay i don't wow. know it's anymore that that's uh okay. passe rob <laughs> ron you are an interesting cat my friend i gotta say no point i'm sorry i don't mean to call you a cat in this dog centric well, episode i'm a, a cat person yeah. that's true there you go so well ron uh this conversation went in many places i did not expect and that is what i love about doing this show so uh, thank you so much for being here i really really oh, enjoyed talking to you so before we sign off uh, i do gotta ask you the normal question i've been asking everybody so if there's any bob album you could sit in or actually not even album, any Bob recording session for anything that you could sit in on and be a fly on the wall on. Do you have a, what, you know, have an idea which one you might want to sit in on? I imagine the answer might be. Uh, well, for me, it's a no brainer. It would be traveling Wilbury's volume one. Okay. I mean, why have one superstar when you can get five? <laughs> sure. You get a Beatle. You get Roy Orbison. Beatle. Yeah. Roy Orbison. Or one Tom of the greatest. Petty. Rock singers ever. Yep. Tom Petty. And, and the great thing would be, I mean, from what my understanding, maybe you could tell me if I'm wrong about this. Didn't they all like record, produce and write all the songs in either Bob's house or Dave Stewart's house? Something like, I think it was Bob's, I think it was Bob's house. I think this, the second record was Dave Stewart. So I think okay, the, the first go. one is Bob's. Yeah. You and get to hang out at Bob's amazing house. Amazing would that be? You hang out there and they're writing the songs like George and Tom Petty and Bob Dylan are writing a song. You imagine that? Imagine Amazing. what that would yeah. look like. Like you're sitting there. Yeah. You're like, all right, Bob, I'm going to run out of the backyard, play with the dogs. You guys are sitting there. You and that beetle over there writing songs. That, <laughs> that, that, that's an absolute, that it, everybody's choice is different, but you really can't argue like the Woolbury just because of the, yeah, like the superpower, the star power you're getting out of that. So it's an yeah, absolutely yeah. fantastic. For me, that would have been amazing. Yeah. I'm a big, oh my big God. Beatles fan. So yeah. Oh, they're, yeah. oh, perfect for you. So, well, uh, again, Ron, thank you so much for doing this. Where can you, where can uh, people find you out on the internet? Um, they can find me at, on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Rob, I'm sorry. I forgot my, address, <laughs> my handle. It's okay. People, if they just put in Ron Monty on Twitter, they will find you. That's how I find yes. it. Isn't it? There. Absolutely. No problem. <laughs> Obviously, you. I, you know what? I really admire someone who is that casual about their social media because I think that means that's good for your mental health that you don't even yes. remember your handle. You know, I think it's actually, a, it's actually a good thing. So, uh, again, thank you so much for doing this, Ron. I really appreciate it. Uh, of course, everybody, you can find all the back episodes of the show on our website, Find Water Podcast. Com. You can subscribe to the show on any podcatcher of your choice. If you want to support the network of which Pod Dylan is a part, the Fine Water Podcast Network, please go to patreon.com slash FW Podcast like these fine folks did. Robert Ward, Steve Cronin, Max Hutzel, George Doherty, 
Joaquin Meckel, Paul Ruther, and Henry Bernstein. I really appreciate it. So that's going to do it. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will see you later. Bye. Hey, friends. It's Miss Becky here in Moss Landing, California. And today, we're going to read a story called If Dogs Run Free. Something very special about this story is that it actually started out as a song. This is a song written by Bob Dylan. This is what Bob Dylan looks like. Isn't he the sweetest? He loves to play the guitar and the harmonica. He is an American singer-songwriter that is really, really popular. A lot of people love his music because he writes so well. He's such a great poet. And this this album, look, take a look at this. Whoa, if you got a record player, you could play this record. This is his record called Nashville Skyline. But the record that you would want to put on to listen to If Dogs Run Free is called New Morning. That is a really great album. Oh my goodness, it feels like sunshine. It really does. You should take a listen.